30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard Hi, I'm Devin Person, America's number one wizard, and you're listening to This Podcast is a Ritual, a metamagical ritual that explores concepts beyond the normal bounds of time and space. But of course, as a wizard and a human being, I exist within those bounds of time and space myself, and right now, we've just passed one of those boundary markers, the new year. It is now January 2024. We're getting close to halfway through the decade, which is a weird thought to wrap your head around. And personally, even though, yes, time isn't real and blah, 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 we can look at it from all kinds of weird philosophical perspectives, I like little boundary markers. I think it's helpful to start new things at the beginning of the month or on a Monday And I think the new year gives us a time to kind of reflect on what last year was like for us and what we'd like to do more of in the year ahead. Now, sometimes that idea of what would we like to do more of takes the form of a resolution. We steal our resolve and we swear an oath that this year I will start jogging. If it's the last thing I do. I'll quit smoking, I'll lose 15 pounds, and I'll learn Spanish and Duolingo. So mote it be. And for a long time, I've had issues with resolutions, uh, primarily because they tend to fall apart pretty quickly, and then I feel like a failure for the rest of the year, because I kind of look back and go, wow, that really didn't work out. So a while ago, I switched to the idea of a New Year's question. Instead of saying, this is what I shall do, I said, I wonder how I might do this. I wonder how many times I'll meditate this year. I wonder how many days in a row I could do 100 push-ups. I'd ask myself that question. And then, again, sometimes it might fall apart, but there always felt like there was a curiosity that could kind of pull it back together. But this year, I'm going even simpler. I'm cutting it down to the bone. And I'm thinking about the power, which you regular listeners of this podcast know all about, of a single magic word. As December waned and January 1st loomed, I meditated long and lazily as I napped throughout that solstice dark time period and reflected on what word would I like to be a guiding light for me in 2024. I was not resolving to do this word no matter what. I was not sneaking that resolution into the form of a question like Jeopardy. I was simply thinking, what's a word that can serve as a talisman that no matter how far off the path I might wander, I can use that to reorient time and time again. And so I came up with the word cool. 
not C-O-O-L, which I will be talking about in a future episode, that ever-present concept of what's cool and what's uncool. No, cool, K-U-L, which is a Swedish word for fun. I thought of this word because I'm hoping to go back to Sweden again this year after I had quite a bit of fun visiting last year. But also just the word fun felt a little bit too laden with cultural connotations. So I wanted to just make it a little bit more magical and playful by using a language that's not my native. I think we do this all the time in magic where if you're going to do a chant and you chant in Latin, that sounds a lot crazier than if you just do it in good old-fashioned American contemporary English. It's also why words in Hebrew have been seen as magic words for a long time. They were a little bit exotic and different, connected to something else. So I'm intentionally invoking that by picking a Swedish word, but we'll just use the word fun as shorthand today to kind of get at the concept that I'm hoping to speak about. But before we go deeper into that, let's talk about fun and wizardry and this podcast as a ritual. Now, as I mentioned last year, I was able to go to Sweden for a little wizard quest adventure with my darling poet, L.A. Marks. And I was able to fold that experience into the podcast, building up anticipation and excitement by interviewing people in advance, then recording podcast episodes throughout, and then finally sealing it up, closing and banishing by reflecting on that journey within the context of the podcast. And I have to say, that was a lot of fun. And then later in the year, November, as we celebrated our five-year podcast anniversary, I had an opportunity to speak with quite a few listeners, to give some advice, to hear them, to help them with their issues in what we were calling Wisno Therapy Sessions under the banner of Talk to the Wizard. And while we touched on some pretty serious topics, I really, really deeply enjoyed being able to engage with listeners in that way, not just sending out my wizardry in a one-way manner, but I really took a lot from that experience as well. And I think that two-way street of cause and effect and collaboration is very vital. So as I was thinking about what would be fun in this year, I thought about these experiences of going on a quest and connecting with listeners. And that reminded me of a little piece of cultural trivia that's bounced around in my brain for a very long time, which is funny because I never even really watched much of it. Now, some of you may be familiar with Andrew W.K. Andrew W.K. came out of nowhere with his hit single, uh, Party Hard, and it blew up and everyone was kind of like, oh, it's this one hit wonder, party rocker guy, ha ha ha. But then it turned out that he actually had pretty decent musical chops, was a pretty interesting uh, person who had been in the underground scene for a while, and there was more going on. But riding that wave of initial fame, somehow, and I don't know the backstory of this, but he got in talks with, I think it was MTV2, probably, probably not MTV1, but MTV2 and Andrew WK partnered to create a show called My Friend Andrew WK. And basically, people would write in And then he would go to their town and hang out with them and kind of help them, uh, you know, solve a problem or have an experience. A little bit like a queer eye for the straight guy if the queer eye was party rocker Andrew W.K. 
And I've liked this concept for a very long time. I've always thought it would be really fun to be able to go not just talk with a listener through the digital medium of online communication, but to literally show up where you're at and make some magic happen. Have an experience. Uh, I've gotten a chance to tour before, and it was so fun getting to show up in town, not saying, well, what should we do? Where should we go? I wonder what's cool here. But say, oh, we've got to get to this American Legion because that's where we're playing tonight. And this is the person that set up the show and they're going to host us at their house. So we're going to sleep on their floor after and we get to see some crazy house in the middle of nowhere in Alabama or Vermont or Wyoming and meet some cool weirdos in a community that it might be hard to find those cool weirdos otherwise. So this is the seed of an idea, but I would like to go on some quests this year and I would like to go on quests to visit you. So if you're listening to this and you're going, oh my God, I would love to have a wizard come visit me. Yes. Here's a few thoughts. I'm interested in doing workshops and talks as a wizard. I'm going to be doing more of these throughout the year and we're going to explore that in the future. But if you have a place, if you run a New Age bookstore, if you have a community of weirdos in your DIY commune cooperative that you think would be super down for that kind of thing, reach out, let me know, let's chat. My email is personisawake. You can shoot me a message. I would love to hear what your thoughts are, what possibilities there might be. But beyond just wizardry and lecturing, I also DJ as Devin the Gnome. And I would love to DJ more. So if you think that you are part of a community that would not only enjoy showing up for a wizard workshop that kind of brings in all of these ideas that we talk about in this podcast as a ritual into a wonderful, playful experience, but would also like to have a rage and rip and dance party, then definitely reach out because we can do both. And we can make this a magical experience for everyone involved. I think there's something exciting about knowing a wizard's coming to town. And I think the festival spirit of a dance party really gives a lot of opportunity to explore and embody that magic. And most importantly of all, I think it sounds like a lot of fun. Podcasting is something I enjoy immensely. But as I sit here speaking to you, I am just bundled up in my cold attic recording studio, talking to myself, watching a waveform bounce up and down on a screen. It's a lot more interesting to show up in a new community, to meet interesting people, to have those late night chats that leave you with something that changes the way you think about the world. And again, to throw a ripping fun dance party. So you don't have to have a full plan. If you don't know anybody or have any ideas, then this might not be right for you. But if you feel like you know somebody who knows somebody or that your town would just be really into this, I am happy to collaborate with you on how we could figure out how to make this happen. So again, if you're part of the Patreon, even better, patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual. You can DM me there or you can um, leave a comment on this post or however you want to engage, or you can email me at personisawake.com or I'm at personisawake on Instagram and you can fire off a DM there as well. I am taking all comers. I can't 
promise that everyone's ideas will be accepted. I'm going to try and hopefully figure out a little wizard tour thing that I can do, kind of string some of these together. But this is how magic happens. It starts with an idea and it starts with speaking it out loud. I have the desire to have more fun. I'm speaking it into this microphone and you and I can be reflecting back on this moment months from now after we've thrown a very ripping dance party going, wow, that was magical. We really made that happen. So let's just plant that seed and see what grows, huh? But with that being said, I wanted to take some time now to just let my thoughts roam about this idea of fun. Last year, I had Adrian Hone on the podcast to talk about a book he wrote on gamification. It was a really, really interesting conversation, and that book really stood out to me, You're Being Played, because it talked about all of the ways that capitalism and work environments will use the illusion of games or fun to trick you into doing more work. But I think I have experienced the other side of that even more often. There's a lot of ways that that Protestant work ethic that just is the water in which we swim in contemporary Western culture seeps in and influences our ideas, our plans, our values without us even realizing it. And I think for a long time now, I've ended up having a pattern where I turn what should be fun into work. If I have a free weekend, I start to think of, oh, what would be a productive thing to do with that time? Or if I am going to, quote unquote, just have fun, I tend to do something passive, like watch a movie or read that isn't really what I would consider that true fun where you're kind of interacting and engaging. I love watching movies. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to bash anybody's passive consumption habits. But I think there is a difference between getting out there and playing a game versus just watching a game. So, as I've thought about this goal and this concept of cool or fun, I've been looking at all of the ways that I would label something as fun, but then it was actually kind of work. Getting a new podcast episode out. Even practicing DJing. Oh, I've got I've to make some time to practice DJing. I really got to work on this set that I'm trying to get out. I got to get this mixtape. I would use deadlines to motivate myself. And then, of course, a deadline is a great way to make something feel like work. Now, I might have talked about this before, but I think about it all the time, so it's worth sharing again if you haven't heard it. But in the first season of Eastbound and Down, Danny McBride's uh, burnt-out baseball player character is living with his brother and his brother's family and trying to get back on his feet. And one of the recurring uh, elements of the show is that he's got this jet ski and there's all these great scenes where he's just jet skiing around but looks kind of like dead in the eyes because he's miserable but doesn't know how to process uh, his feelings in any way. And there's a moment where he's got his truck in the driveway and the jet ski and the little trailer behind it and his uh, his nephews, his brother, excuse me, his brother's kids are sitting on it and, you know, pretending to drive the jet ski. And he comes out and yells at them angrily, hey, get off of that. That's not a toy. And his brother goes, it literally is. And something about that stood out to me. It literally is a toy. That's Yes, that's what a jet ski is. I think there's very few people who, like, buy a jet ski to commute to work or 
I mean, I guess you could try and be a professional jet skier, but for the most part, it's a leisure activity. You get a jet ski because you want to have time tooting around a lake for the sake of pure fun. And so that concept of a toy has been something I've meditated on for a while. What are the things that we actually buy just for pure enjoyment? And enjoyment in an engaging way, not just eating a bag of candy or, again, buying a new book or comic book or movie or, you know, whatever it might be, game. Well, games are an interesting one. But anyways, what are things that we really engage with and interact with? And so that concept of toy and play and fun is something that I'm trying to wiggle my way through in what will be a series of new approaches to podcasting called The Wizard Speaks. I'm going to release these on the main feed for a while and then slowly move them over to just be Patreon-only content. But I think for a long time I had a clenched position around the podcast and I was really focused on asking guests good questions and writing very in-depth intros and trying to do it all right. And I've done it for five years now, and I think it's amazing that people are listening and resonating with it, and I personally just want to have more fun. And I figured out that finally, after all this time, I'm actually able to sit down and speak (laughs) in a pretty, you know, fluid manner. And so I want to have some fun with that. So these episodes are going to be looser and more exploratory and hopefully more fun for both you and me, because ideas can be a toy. Ideas can be something that we grapple with, that we play with, that we tease at, and we work out how do we want to engage with them. And from that process of kind of teasing and playing and exploring, we learn new skills. We transform our way of thinking, and that affects our life. It doesn't optimize our life. It's not a way to just be 10% happier or 30% more mindful or 50% more productive or the other ways that capitalism tries to coach us to instrumentalize every aspect of our being. But if we think about the way that, you know, kittens or young humans or any creature plays, they're kind of imitating real world actions, you know fighting or building a house or driving a truck or all these things that little kids get obsessed with. They're recreations of actual adult real world activities, but they're done so for enjoyment and with a sense of silliness and imagination that lets us kind of extract what can we get out of these. Because any of these activities can go either way. Cooking can be something very joyful and playful that you get lost in and really relish and you can enjoy new recipes and that can just be a delightful hobby. It can also be a ton of work and something that you put pressure on yourself to do and compare yourself to uh, TikTokers and people that seem like they're making these amazing things that look so much better than what you're making. And then maybe you think you should make content around it. And now trying to make content is getting way of the cooking and it's all getting so cumbersome. Or, of course, you can be literally paid to cook and that can suck the fun out of something real fast. So what is it? that makes something fun? What is it that preserves that kernel of cool 
and stops it from becoming just a gamified exercise in lying to yourself and trying to optimize your productivity? Well, I don't know. That's what I'm trying to find out. I think I have a tendency to want to start with certainty. I talk a lot about being curious. I have don't know written on my knuckles, but I did that because I'm trying to correct a natural inclination to try and know something, to assert the facts that I have consumed and absorbed and make sense in the worldview that I've created for myself. But I think it's a lot more fun to not know. We say no spoilers. It's a lot more fun to go into a movie wondering what might happen rather than saying, oh, I know all about it. I read the wiki before I got here. I mean, maybe that's fun for some people, but I really like to be surprised and delighted. So as I explore fun, I'm exploring. I'm seeing where it leads me. I'm following that breadcrumb trail. And so as it takes me through this podcast and out into the world and back again, I hope you'll come along on that journey and we can explore what fun means to you. What do you find the most truly fun? Take a moment. Close your eyes unless you're driving. That's not fun. Don't close your eyes while you're driving. But close your eyes and just think about this for a moment. What do you find fun? What activities would you cancel plans to put first? What activities would you spend money, go out of your way to do, not because you're expecting a return on your investment, just because it's a lot of fun? One way that I sometimes think about this, especially in my work with clients, is what did you find fun when you were a kid? What are the things that you could do for hours that you were always trying to talk your friends into doing with you? What were those activities that didn't feel like a chore, like you were being dragged there by your parents, but you couldn't wait to go? This could be a favorite arcade or something you did in the park or a sport you really enjoyed. It could be anything. It could be something you did alone in your room. I, for example, had a lot of fun playing with action figures. I grew up in the early 90s when Ninja Turtles were at the height of popularity. Ninja Turtle mania was all the rage and there was so many social interactions that were just walking up to a kid at a McDonald's play place and saying, I'm Donatello, and they go, I'm Michelangelo, and we'd play, and that would be that. But here's the thing. My parents were cheap, and Ninja Turtle action figures were very in demand, so they were more expensive. But you know what wasn't cool and wasn't expensive was He-Man action figures because He-Man was over. It was off the air. It was done. No one cared about He-Man anymore. So my mom would take me to the flea market or we could buy bags of He-Man action figures for like three bucks or something because no one cared about them. No one thought this is going to be a collector item. They were just junk that somebody would get rid of for a few dollars. So I had all kinds of bizarre He-Man action figures with no context of what He-Man was or who these characters were or who was good or who was bad. So I wasn't constrained in any way to try and fit my imaginative experience into a pre-existing storyline. I just thought they looked cool. This one guy had like a bee head and then, you know, like 
jacked pectoral wrestler body and then these little like claw hands. I mean, these are pretty wild things. So I would sit in my room and I would play with the action figures and I would speak for them and I would make up stories and scenarios and battles. And that was a lot of fun. And that's something that I've been really enjoying bringing back into my magical practice. I have a puppet that I talk to now. My friend gave me a wizard puppet and I said, you know what? This is an opportunity to do something that makes me a little uncomfortable and have fun with it. And so I've really enjoyed sitting down and talking to my wizard puppet and being, again, surprised and delighted by the thoughts and advice and things that come out of this exchange that wouldn't if I was just ruminating on my own thoughts in a loop or even trying to, you know, journal or talk to a friend or these other more adult ways of processing. It's a lot of fun to just talk to a puppet. I also have all kinds of little wizard and gnome statues and trinkets that I've accumulated over the years, and I've started trying to find their voices as well. Again, this can feel very silly, but I think silly is a good sign. When you're starting to feel silly, you're getting out of that normal terrain of status quo and what's appropriate or adult or normal, and you're able to find things that feel more imaginative delightful and childlike. And so again, it's been cool getting to learn some of the personalities of these statues, these action figures that I have. Instead of trying to do it in an official way, because I'm a wizard and I don't really follow any specific system, I'm getting to discover what these gnomes want to share. What are their vibes? What are the different gnome statues' personalities? How do they interact with each other? I'll tell you what, it feels pretty silly sitting there and playing action figures with your gnome statues, but it's a lot of fun. And it gets you outside of those normal systems, which is part of what magic means to me. Now, another thing that I did when I was a kid is I loved to sit on the swings. We had a little swing set behind my house, and I would sit out there for hours swinging and making up stories in my mind literally just creating my own version of the X-Men, thinking through each of their powers, imagining these complex battles and story arcs and things. And it just existed purely in my mind. I wasn't writing them down. I wasn't making movies. I wasn't drawing them. I was just imagining them. And it took me a while to connect this with a practice that I do currently. Uh, generally this takes the form of what I call mystic tokes. And, uh, I've written a book about this, which you can get for, I think, $4 and 20 cents at personisawake.com. But in a nutshell, mystic tokes is my practice of smoking a very small amount of pot and just letting my mind run, not trying to meditate, not trying to control, not trying to follow a real clear path, but just seeing where it goes. And similarly to the way that I was a kid and I would create these stories, I will then figure out new concepts. Here's something interesting I could do for the podcast. Here's something that it would be fun to write about. Here's a solution to a frustration I've had in my life. Here's something fun that I could go do. And for a while, I felt like this was not a real activity. I'm just sitting stone with my eyes closed. I'm not doing anything. But eventually, by connecting with this childhood memory, I realized, 
oh, I'm just imagining, and that's that's valuable. It doesn't have to produce something. It doesn't have to turn into a book or a product or a thing to be sold. Again, these traps of optimizing. You can just imagine for its own sake, and that experience can be fun. So those are some of the things that have been on my mind. Imagining, fun, play, adventure. But one of the other themes that I've been connecting with childhood, especially as I talk to clients about raising kids in the 21st century and the realities of parenting today, is reflecting on things that I didn't find fun when I was a kid. I was growing up in the 90s and I was dragged to a lot of soccer practices and things like that, that I was not an athletic person. I was not interested in that. And reflecting now, I know my parents wanted me to be engaged and to have things to do. And it seemed like what everybody else was doing. And, you know, there was social implications. So I, I get why they wanted me to do that. But I found myself wondering, what would I have really wanted to do if I could have done anything? I liked acting and being creative. What if there were more opportunities for that? And that led me to remember an experience I did have with a group called Odyssey of the Mind. Now, I'm not 100% sure if this still exists. Again, I don't have kids of my own, so I I wouldn't necessarily know. Uh, But for a time, Odyssey of the Mind was a national program that you would kind of find out about through school, but it was an extracurricular activity. And you would go to the orientation thing, and there would be different ones each year. So generally, there would be some that were more engineering and construction-based, like a challenge of trying to build a balsa wood. And if you don't know what balsa wood is, it's a very, very light, flimsy, fragile material. Uh, Trying to build a balsa wood structure that could support the most weight possible. And if you did one of those, you would meet with your group, you would try different things, you would have some sort of, you know, adult or older student chaperone that was kind of guiding but not doing it for you, and you would be trying to solve that challenge. But then there were other ones that were a little bit more creative and dramatic and not focused on building something physically, and those were the ones that I always gravitated towards. So I remember that we had one where you had to create a short play based on, I think, like an idiom, an expression, like a popular saying, and it had to be able to set up and be performed within five minutes. So some of this was a physical challenge, thinking about, okay, how can we make a cool set that we can quickly pop up that will look good? I think we had some kind of um, almost like PVC pipe that we built a frame with and then we could hang our backdrop on it and then we had like kind of shower curtain things so we could maybe change the backdrop. I forget exactly how we did it. Uh, I remember that we had uh, a whole skit, little performance that we created about the saying, don't let the cat out of the bag. That was the one we chose. And so we as third graders or fourth graders were writing this, creating this, performing this. And then you go to a competition. And if you're on one of those engineering tracks, you're you know, setting up in some gymnasium and they're putting weights on your balsa wood structure. And then you're going, oh no, when it collapses immediately and you're impressed when these other kids have a tower that's got like four bowling balls sitting on it. Um, and then we were watching other people's performances and performing our own. And I think generally it was like you would go to a regional and then you could go to a state and then you could go to nationals. 
Uh, I never made it to nationals. I think I did make it to state. I'm pretty sure that that, that happened. Um, but really cool experience and really interesting form of collaboration. And so I think that's another thought that comes back to me when I'm meditating on fun is left to my own devices. It's very easy to try and find time when you think that you can sit down and do this fun activity. But then when that time comes, oh, I'm tired. I've been at work all day. I don't know if I'm in the mood. That seems like a lot of work. I'd rather just watch a movie. I don't know. This seems hard. And then suddenly there's a struggle between the part of you that wants to do it that can feel a little bit pushy and the part of you that doesn't want to do it, which can feel a little bit lazy. And I experience this sometimes as a struggle, which isn't so much fun. But I think when you create something with other people, when you collaborate, it's easier to say, oh, okay, I've, I've committed to other people. We're all showing up at two o'clock. So like, let's be there. Let's not flake. That would be, I'd have to have a lot more of a reason to flake. And then I'm not just sitting there trying to create ideas and then evaluate which ones are good. But there's that group mind where you're going, oh, my God, your idea is amazing. It made me think of this idea. What about this? Someone goes, I don't know. I'm kind of concerned about that. And you go, wow, that's a great point. Let's not waste time with that. Let's move on. And then you're figuring out this thing that didn't exist before. That's a really important concept. It didn't exist before. If you get together with even just one other person, but I think you know three or more is even more magical, and you create something that wasn't just sitting in your mind and it was you trying to excavate it, dust it off, and bring it into the light of day. That was something that existed in this ephemeral group mind. And all of you were sharing an experience of discovering what that was together. And I think that can be a lot of fun. That's one of the challenges that I've wrestled with in my wizardry is that there's something about having an audience or a collaborator that makes my creative juices flow. I feel like you could put me alone in a room and I would try and write something and it would take a while and eventually it would come out, but it would feel more like work. Whereas when I'm around other people and I get to brainstorm, it's like pew, 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 pew. It's just firing off ideas and it's very exhilarating and very fun. So that's one of the other things that I'm working on this year is, uh, I can't say too much about it yet, but it will be coming out soon, is a very fun collaboration. Um, another magical content maker uh, and I were commiserating after I had kind of put my book on pause and they were going through a similar experience. And we said, you know what, what if we collaborated? and started writing emails back and forth and sharing ideas and building and being inspired by what one person was saying and another was person was saying, and that's a lot of fun. And that's different than just being both roles yourself. And I think that's where, again, I, I'm not sure what resonates of this with others or what's just my own experience, but trying to be the creative and the taskmaster, the producer, the director and the writer, all of those things all at once, you can kind of get caught up in the tension that those roles create. But collaboration is like playing catch. You're just tossing it back and forth and your job is to just receive and take in what's being shared with you and find what comes up naturally on your own and send it back out. And I have found that uh, the experience of writing 15 pages in a Google Doc 
and then clicking save and not having any idea if any of that was good and just feeling tired from all that creating is very different than writing a lengthy email or you know even two pages and sending some part of a story over to somebody else. And then I'm thinking, wow, I hope they like it. I can't wait to hear what they say. This is exciting. And there's this exchange of energy taking place. So pretty cool, huh? Well, I think we've come to the end of what this conversation is the beginning of, or we've come to the beginning of what this conversation marks the end of. We're finding those boundaries in time and space where 2023 is a thing of the past and 2024 is just beginning to sprout all of the beautiful possibilities that will emerge this year. So let's end with a little meditation, shall we? Again, don't close your eyes if you're driving, but if you're not driving, take a moment to just breathe and close your eyes and think about that calendar wheel. And imagine that there's a seed that you've just pushed into some moist soil, and that marks right here, right now. If you've got a word that's already coming to mind, I encourage you to think about writing that word on this imaginary seed, seeing it blazed there in magical lettering. But if you don't have a word yet, you can just kind of do the seed and come back to this later. But think about that seed being pushed down and recognizing that it'll take a little while for it to take root. So throughout January and into February, it might not seem like everything's different now, but you can trust that something's happening. And if you've ever grown a plant from a seed, you can look forward to that moment where you check it one day and you go, oh, there's a little shoot of green coming up and maybe that'll be March when that little shoot of green is coming up. And you can find all of the ways that that continues to grow and large. And as March becomes April, maybe we're starting to get some leaves. It's getting taller. It's kind of branching out a little bit. And that process can continue from April into May. And you've got something that's really growing in a few different directions. You know, it's not a linear path. It's not I am here and I want to get to there. But it's exploring what this word means and the different ways it's showing up in conversations, in community, in collaboration, in activity, in imagination, and how that can continue throughout the summer. So the summer is a time where it's really growing and it's starting to get so much larger and it's not just this vulnerable, fragile little thing anymore. It's got heft and weight and substance. It's, it's, it's really growing tall. It's reaching up into the bright light of possibility. And as you move into fall, it's starting to fruit. And that fruit is going to be things, ideas, experiences, people, creations that exist this fall that don't exist right now, except in the very essence of that seed. And so as you move through fall and you get to really harvest these fruits and say, wow, I can trace this back to that word that I picked for the year. That is a magical experience. Recognizing that because you planted that seed in your mind, you had that idea, you've taken a different path than you otherwise would. And now you're enjoying the harvest 
of these magical energies and getting ready to move into winter to store the wonderful things that you've accumulated and that will keep you nourished and sustained through those dark icy months. So as we're in those dark icy months right now, seasonal affective disorder and these other things are just a reminder to go slow, to plant, and to allow that possibility to bloom. I believe in you. Your magic is real. <laughs>